0: Well, hey, it is so good to be with you this morning. And uh, I just got to begin by saying really thankful for you and for your church. Uh, it has been such an incredible blessing to us as we are getting ready to plant in Madison to have a church like you to partner with, and um, our core group has been encouraged knowing that you're here and that you're praying for us and you're behind us, you're with us, and I'm super thankful for um, just the encouragement that we've received and definitely thankful for your uh, financial support as well. Um, it's just an incredible... Uh, just show of of just that partnership and and being willing to gather with us in doing this. And um, I'm definitely thankful for your pastor, Steve, and uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know him a little bit. We first met when I was up at the training center in uh, Elgin, uh, this past fall and didn't know where we were going to be planting and uh, had never really met Steve before. And, and we met not knowing that we were going to be working together, but um, we chat regularly and he's been such an encouragement and blessing to me and and just helping us keep on track. And so thankful for him, thankful for that relationship, and definitely thankful for this opportunity that he and the elders have given uh, to be able to open uh, God's Word together. Um, before we uh, get into uh, the, the message, I wanted to <clears throat> Excuse me. I wanted to just kind of share a bit of an update on what's been happening uh, with the church, and uh, just kind of share a little bit of, of what's been been going on lately. Uh, we were up here a few months ago and, and said that we had been working on uh, gathering a core group. And for those of you who don't know, uh, my wife and I. Um, We have been in North Carolina for the last 11 years. Many people from the first service asked, hey, how'd you get back up to Wisconsin? Well, I actually grew up south of Wisconsin. You can hear it maybe when I say Wisconsin, right? So it's like, this is kind of coming home, but we've been in North Carolina for the last 11 years. I've been pastoring down there and uh, pastored at a a church there, and we have four kids, uh, nine uh, six, four, and two. And about a year or so ago, we sold our home and we uh, packed up and moved our family up to Chicago to go through the training center and began praying and asking that the Lord would show us where we were going to be planting this church. And the door opened, opportunity opened in Madison, and uh, God has made it abundantly clear that that is where he has us. And we're so excited to plant another church like this one, like Harvest Bible Chapel, Rochester. It's going to be there, Harvest. Bible Chapel, Madison. And we are excited to see what God is doing. And uh, in January began building a core group. And at this point, we have about 35 adults that are part of our core group and more are coming all the time and checking it out and interested. And so we're praying that in the next couple weeks, even, that there would be um, many more that jump on. And uh, by God's grace, we're praying that we would be able to launch at the end of September. And uh, just this week, it was a big week for us. We were able to confirm our launch location. We're going to be in a high school there in Madison, and that's something that you've been praying for, uh, for us, and so thankful for uh, that confirmation, and it's a great location. We're excited about that. We're excited to do the setup and tear down thing just like you guys do, and uh, it's, a, it's a pretty great setup, and, and we're really excited about what God has given us for that, and we've been um, also meeting this week with our portable church consultant and getting kind of the equipment together and getting ready to purchase that, so you're gift is going to go a long ways to help us get started with that. And I would just say, you know, we're not looking to to just sort of gather some people in a high school auditorium, you know, and just kind of assemble a crowd. Um, We're not certainly looking just to have another uh, so-called church in the area. What we want to see done is the same thing that you're after here, is we want to see the name of Jesus Christ lifted high in the city of Madison. And we want to see the church gather. We want to see disciples made. We want to see people come to know Jesus Christ and to grow in that relationship. And that's what we're after. And so thank you for partnering in that. What we're looking after and what we're going after is is nothing short of a very move of God. And we're praying that God would be moving there in Madison and building the same thing that He's done here. And so many of you have been able to uh, be encouraged and blessed by being a part of this church. So thankful for that partnership. Well, I'm excited to be able to open the Word of God together with you. And so why don't you take your copy of Scripture and open up to John uh, chapter 15. And as you're turning there, I would love to just sort of... um, set a bit of uh, the context for what we're going to be looking at today, Uh, set the stage if you will. You know, as people, we tend to enjoy checking boxes. Um, Sometimes, uh, maybe perhaps you're like me, uh, you have a few things that you want to do and you don't really need a to-do list, but to-do lists are fun to sort of check off and so you'll write it down just so you can check it off. Anyone else do that? Yeah. There's lots of nodding heads. Yeah, we we enjoy getting things done, and we sort of carry this this mindset with us into our Christian life. As we follow after Jesus, there's certain things that we like to see accomplished and see done, and so we kind of have this this sort of checklist mentality um, as we approach that relationship relationship with Jesus. And if you were to state it in the most simple way, I think at times we tend to take growth in Christ and make it about two things. uh, Thinking things or or doing things. And a significant part of following Christ, make no mistake, should affect our thinking, right? God should be transforming our mind and, and we should be thinking differently than we used to because of what Christ is doing in us. And we should also be doing some different things. When Christ comes into your life, it changes and transforms who you are and the things that you do should not be the same as they were before. And so certainly following after Christ is not less than thinking or doing things, but it's more than that. And I think that's why this series on instructions to the church is so helpful. Because what's going on in our Christian walk is this idea of something that's spiritual, See, Christianity isn't just believing right things, that's good, and doing right things, that's also good, but it's being something. It's, it's just this, this relationship with Jesus. And when you understand and get that you get to be in relationship with the God who made you, when, you re- when that really clicks, that it's a being thing, then the thinking parts and the doing parts come so much more easily. The passage we're looking at this morning is maybe familiar to you, but it's, it's, it's so helpful in this area, and it's all about this idea. See, the context for what we're turning to in John 15 is uh, the final I am statement of Jesus Christ. The book of John is full of these seven I am statements where he says, I am the bread of life, I am the good shepherd, I am the way, the truth, and life. This is the final statement where he says, I am the vine. And in this statement, this is in the final hours that he is with his disciples. They've just um, celebrated the Passover together. They've been in the upper room. And they are now literally, he is walking toward the cross with his disciples. And so these are some of his final words before his death. And what we're going to see is he calls them to something. He calls them to abide in the vine. And as we work our way through verses 1 through 11, I want to draw your attention first to verse 5. It says this I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And this is sort of the central idea that we're talking about here when we say that following Christ is a being thing it's about abiding. It's about abiding in Christ, and that's why today we're, we're titling it Abiding in the Vine. And if you want a definition for abide, I think this is a pretty good one. To abide means to remain in a steady and constant relationship. It means to remain in a steady and constant relationship. It carries an understanding of endurance. It's not going, it's a choice to not go it on your own. And so what we have here, Jesus lays out for the disciples this extended metaphor of a vine and the branch, and what that teaches us about abiding is so crucial for us. And so what does a branch do in the vine? It's this relationship, it abides. That's just what a branch does. It abides. And it's this full and constant dependence upon Christ, And so that's what we're after this morning. We're after what does it mean to abide and what does that do for us? This passage shows us four progressive elements of what it looks like to abide in Jesus Christ. As we get ready to spend time in the word of God, would you just pray with me that he would be leading us in this? Let's pray. God, we thank you for the time that we have already been able to lift high your name. And God, we sing not because of some blessing or benefit that we get out of it, though we do, God, we sing because you're worth it. And God, we worship you and we gather here this morning because you are worth it all. And so Lord, now as we proclaim your word, as we look at it, as we study it together, God, as we seek to understand what it is that you have for us, I pray that you would teach us. Holy Spirit, would you illuminate our minds, our eyes to see the truth that you have for us and help us to apply it. God, help us to walk out different because of what we've seen here and what we've learned here today. Lord, would you teach us now? We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. Well, look in your copy of Scripture at John uh, 15, beginning in verse 1. The first thing we're going to see here is that abiding requires pruning. Let me show you what I mean. Look at verse 1. I am the true vine, And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, get this, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So the first thing we see is not necessarily the fun part of abiding, but it's so necessary. Abiding requires pruning. And in this, we see sort of four uh, uh, factors, four sort of players in this metaphor. You have the vine, which Jesus says. That's Jesus saying that. He says, I am the vine. So Jesus is the vine in this picture. And he says, my father is the vine dresser. So he's the one that's doing the pruning. And then you have sort of these two branches. You have the fruit-bearing branches, which he prunes. And you have the non-fruit-bearing branches, which he takes away. Let's talk about these fruit-bearing branches. It says that every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Now, that doesn't sound very fun, right? If you're a branch, I don't know if you necessarily want to be pruned. Um, Some of you uh, have yards, and I'm sure you... uh, do your best, maybe, to uh, upkeep them and, and keep them looking good. I enjoy a good-looking yard. I'm not the best when it comes to knowing what plants are and what time of the year to cut them, and but I enjoy having things looking good. And uh, I've always kind of had those, you know, old-school sort of giant scissor, you know, uh, sort of snippers. And, uh, and so that's how I kind of went after my, my bushes. But a couple years ago, my wife got me for Father's Day uh, one of those electric hedge trimmers. You know what I'm talking about? Like the really wide ones, they just kind of do work. And so I was so excited to go after this because we had these big bushes in the front of our house and they were these big old broad leaves and they were getting so big and, and it was so much work to kind of go after it with, with those little hand snippers. So I go out there with this hedge trimmer and about four seconds. I was just like, you know, and I was done, okay? It looked good. It was even. It just had this nice crisp look to it. But if you know anything about plants, you know that that's not exactly the best method to go after these big broadleaf bushes. Because what happened was in the process, all those leaves got kind of mangled up, though it looked good from afar. When you got close, you could see that all these leaves were cut up. And within two days, the thing was looking super sad. And it's brown, and it's sort of drooping, and my wife's kind of asking, like, what did you do to our plants? I mean, they just looked sick. And so I got on the internet and started Googling, like, what am I supposed to do? What did I do wrong? And turns out that that's not exactly the best method um, to, to trimming those types of bushes, What I learned was, and and what I then subsequently did, was I had to get these little sort of snipper, scissor, like even smaller things, and, and individually I had to go and cut every branch that was coming up. And I had to do it right above where the leaf was so it would be able to grow. And you know what happened? Those bushes, like pop back to life. And within a couple weeks, they were bigger than they had begun with. They had like multiple branches coming out and they looked so full and so healthy. This process of going through and actually pruning away, taking away some of the growth made them bloom and grow even fuller than they had been to begin with. And see, here's the thing for us. We get to a verse like this and it says that Jesus is the vine The Father is the vine dresser and that every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Some of us have this picture and maybe it's felt like it at times in your life where he's come after you with one of these like hedge trimmers. You know what I'm talking about? Have you been in the place where things are happening and all these things are kind of going on and it feels like God is there with a hedge trimmer and he's pruning you and he's just like, you know, just kind of cutting across your life and you're like, God, can you take it easy for a minute? There's just so much going on, I don't know if I can handle it. But here's the thing. We have to understand when this verse says, when Jesus says that he prunes, he doesn't approach our lives with this big, broad hedge trimmer. With the expertise, with the care of a surgeon using a scalpel, when he prunes us, he prunes exactly what needs to come out. He goes after only the branches and only the parts that are going to produce the most fruit. That is how our father, the vine dresser, prunes us. And it's a good pruning. See, look why he does it. It says right there, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Do you know in a plant, you have to cut back some of the good growth so that it can continue to grow and so that it will continue to bear fruit. We are the same way. There are parts and pieces of our life that at one point maybe made sense or maybe they're not, they never made sense at all. Maybe there's some sin in our life, but God, the vine dresser is actively pruning us and taking away all of those parts so that we would be able to bear more fruit. It's not unlike what we see in Hebrews chapter 12, which teaches that the Lord disciplines his own the way that a father disciplines his children. And all this is for our good that we may share in his holiness. See, God is after us so that we would be able to bear more fruit. And what about these branches that don't bear fruit? What what does that have to do? Well, the key point of what he's trying to show in this metaphor is the life-giving power that comes in the relationship, that abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. So his point in saying that every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. It's just saying that there is no life in those branches. You might want to ask the question, you know, well, who is he talking about here? Is this someone who's maybe lost their salvation? I would quickly want to just say that, no, we've got to be careful that we don't take this metaphor and try and apply it to something. He's not teaching about whether you're keeping or losing your salvation here in this picture. I would simply say that, that, you know, did you do anything to earn your salvation? The answer is no. Then how could you do something that would help you or that would cause you to lose your salvation? The answer is you can't you can't lose that which you never earned to begin with. And so what he's not teaching here is that these are people that have come to know Christ and that have raised from the dead and they are his children and now he's like taking them away. That's not the point. The point is, it's a warning certainly, but the emphasis of what he's trying to show is the life-giving power of abiding in the vine. And so we need to seek to be these branches that are in the vine, abiding in the vine so that he would bear more fruit through us. And so how does he do this? How do we embrace this pruning process that comes from abiding in Christ? Well, I think the first thing is to expect the pruning and to sit under it. Recognize and know that God will prune you. The vine dresser will prune you. There are things that have to be cut away expect it, and then embrace it when it happens. If you see God taking and pulling and using things to, 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 to prune you, then recognize, God, you're doing this for my good and for your glory. I think there's three main factors that he uses, three things that he uses to prune us. The first is circumstances, usually of the difficult variety. But he does use good circumstances too. I think of the, when my wife and I were first married. Uh, that was a pruning time for me. I didn't know before I got married how selfish I was. And I realized in trying to do life with another person and, and, and living with, with another human that I couldn't have like, my schedule and my eating habits and, and leave like, the house the way I wanted. Like, I had to like, kind of grow in my selfishness. That was a good circumstance, but God used that to prune me. And then I thought I had kind of finished the whole patience and selfishness sort of class. And then I had kids. And I realized that was like JV. This is varsity level now, okay? You have a child and it's like there is no selfishness available. I mean, you, that, that child needs you. And if you don't take care of it, no one else is going to. And so together we learn this whole new level of, of selfishness. So God uses circumstances, sometimes good, but usually the difficult kind to prune us. The second way He prunes us is through the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. See, God uses his word to prune us. That's what Jesus was referring to there in verse three. See what he says there? He says, already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. That word clean, that wasn't a hygiene term. He wasn't talking about the disciples' showering habits. He was speaking to the fact that they were clean in the the pruning sense. It was an agricultural term. And so he's telling his disciples, he's like, look, you're already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. They had been walking with Jesus and and hearing Jesus' teaching. The word had become flesh and was working in their lives that they would be pruned through the word of God. That's why it's good that we gather together weekly to hear the word of God proclaimed. That's why it's good for you to spend time in your Bible throughout the week and to see and hear what is God showing and teaching you through his word. He uses it to prune you. And the third factor he uses is the people of God. Some of you uh, can point to or know that friend that he is most using as that pruner in your life. You maybe have that friend that is willing to share and say whatever needs to be said. Uh, For me, it's certainly my wife has always been that, she's willing and, and very able to tell me when I'm being dumb, okay? And in a very loving way. But it's so good because I need to hear that because I am dumb and I do dumb things sometimes. And so I need the people of God. I need guys in my small group. I need others in the church. I need the elders. I need people that are saying to me, hey, I think God's trying to teach you something here. I think he's pruning this out of your life. He uses the people of God to prune us. And so I would just ask you, how do you respond when that pruning comes? You can ask the Lord, what are you trying to teach me right now? And another good question is, God, how can you be glorified in even this? When those difficult circumstances come, when you read something challenging in the Word of God, when you're with that person, God, what are you trying to teach and prune in me right now? If we abide in Christ, we have to understand that it requires pruning. We don't come to the relationship all ready to go. He's working on us in that. Well, here's the second thing that we see. Abiding, it requires pruning, but abiding produces fruit. Look at verse 4. He says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. my disciples. We see here that abiding produces fruit. Notice there's this commitment and relationship here. See the first thing that Jesus says. He says in verse four, abide in me and I in you. It's this both and. Jesus is a part of this. See, it's the job of the vine to sustain the branches. So in our abiding with Christ, in our remaining in a steady and constant relationship with Jesus, there is life-giving relationship that's happening there. The vine sustains the branches, but it is the job of the branches then to produce the fruit. But it comes from the sustaining work of the vine. And I don't want to belabor this, but Jesus felt that it was necessary to explain it. And so I think we should probably take some time and look at it. He says a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. This makes sense, right? We get this. If you cut off the branch, you can't just go and stick it in the ground or leave it off to the side and expect that the apples or the oranges or whatever are going to come out of it. It needs to be connected to that vine. It needs to be connected to the life-giving source, and in the same way, if we expect or desire or want fruit in our lives, we need to be connected in that abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. But so many times, we're looking at the wrong part of our branch to see where that fruit is. We're looking at our hands. We're looking at what we're doing with our mouths, what we're, what we're putting our feet to, and, and, and the things that we're seeking to see accomplished. And we're like, God, why aren't you using me for fruit? Why, why is there not fruit coming And all the while, we're not recognizing that perhaps we're not attached to the vine. I mean, imagine that you were to go out into your yard and pick up your hose and just try and start watering the plants with this sort of loose hose that's not connected to anything, right? You wouldn't expect that it would come out. That's the simple point. I don't have to explain that more. In the same way, if you were to walk into your kitchen and try and turn on an appliance, it's not going to turn on unless it's plugged in. The same is true for you and I it's that same vine branch relationship there is going to be no fruit in your life apart from the abiding work of Jesus Christ So there's three things we have to understand about this fruit the fruit is a direct result of abiding See fruit bearing it's not a test it's an indicator I think so many times we try and think or we we boil it down and we think that this is a test of whether or not I'm really abiding. And, 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 And it's more of an indicator. Are you abiding? Is there fruit in your life? See, fruitfulness is the inevitable byproduct of an abiding life in Christ. It's too simple to just say that fruit is obedience or it's love. That's certainly part of it, but it's more than that. The fruit is an expected and natural outcome of persevering dependence on the vine. A good place to start is to look at the list that we're given in Galatians chapter 5, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, how many of us could say that we've checked all of those boxes? right? And that fruit is fully in us, all of those things. But yet, no, God is still seeking to see that fruit, realized, and there to be more fruit. But that, the, those things that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that's not going to come about in our lives apart from the abiding life or the abiding work of Christ. The second thing we understand about the fruit is that fruit is connected directly to prayer. See what he says in verse 7? He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Jesus is saying, look, if you abide, ask and I'm going to do it. There's a direct connection with prayer. See, those who are abiding in Christ will have their prayers so controlled by God's word and so led by his spirit that they will be answered and that God will be glorified in the working and this verse, I think, these are one of those verses that people could easily—you could easily want to rip out of context and just say, "Look, it says right here in God's word, ask whatever I want, and it's going to be done for you." I mean, I could tell you a lot of things that I want. Uh, I, I, when we moved to Madison from North Carolina, I wanted a bigger house than we were able to buy. Okay. Uh, The the housing market in Madison is crazy. I think it's similar to Rochester. And and I I couldn't buy nearly enough square footage. So it wasn't a matter of just praying, God, give me this bigger house and expect that it's going to be done. Uh, God, give me this or give me that. It's not like this genie in a bottle sort of situation. What he's saying here when he says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done in this abiding relationship with Christ, he will so be leading that the things that are on your heart, the things that you're praying for, the things that you're asking him for, will be the very things that he desires to be seen and so as you sit down to pray or as you get on your knees and you're calling out to the Lord and you're saying, God, would you do these things? He's hearing those prayers because he's guiding those prayers and he's like, yes, I want to do that yes, I will do that, yes, that's what I've called you to do and so that's an incredible encouragement for us as a church, for us as the church, right? When we go after the things, when we ask God to do those things, ask him that, that, that his word would go forth, pray that, that, that as we proclaim his word that people will be changed. He's answering those prayers. I have no doubt about that. As we pray, God, would you lift high your son in this place? Would we, would we see your, your name glorified? He's going to answer those prayers, As you ask that God would would bring others to hear and that he would be moving and working in the hearts of his people, he wants to see those that are far from him come to know him. He's going to answer those prayers. In an abiding relationship with Jesus, your prayers, it's walking in step with Christ. Here's the third thing about fruit. Fruit brings glory to God. See what it says there in verse eight. He says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. See, the branch receives its life from the vine and the vine produces the fruit through its branches. God is producing the fruit in you that will bring him glory. It's not something that you can just will to happen. Rather, it's something that God is producing through you. God is doing this. God is the one that is bringing the fruit. And I love what it says. It's not just a little bit of fruit that you would bear much fruit. And so here's where I think this leaves us, or it's so important for us to recognize this morning. If you're in a place that you would desire to have grateful fruitfulness, and I pray that you do. I mean... Let's be the church that's not content with where we're at now. Let's be the church that desires to see more and more fruit coming from our lives that God would receive more and more glory. And so if that's you this morning and you're here this morning and you would say, I would desire that there would be more fruit in my life. It's not about just squeezing out the fruit and going for the fruit. Go back to the vine. Look at where it is. Are you abiding in Christ? Because in that abiding, in that steady relationship, in that constantly coming back to him, that is where you're going to see the fruit come. That is what's going to bear much fruit in your lives. That's our prayer for this church, for our church in Madison, that we would bear much fruit as we so walk with Christ. Let's see where he takes this next. Look at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Here's the third thing is that abiding increases our obedience. When we abide in Christ, we abide in his love. And it's the love of Christ that has been demonstrated to us. The Father has sent the Son to die in our place. We've sung about this already this morning. And he died that death for us, that there would be forgiveness of sin, that there would be, when we repent, that there would be forgiveness and that there would be new life through his life. And he has already done this. And so he's demonstrated his love through his death and through his resurrection. And he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Jesus has shown us his love. But I love that statement, as the Father has loved me. Do you know that the same love is given to us that is given from the Father to the Son? I mean, Jesus Christ has allowed us, has worked that transforming work in our lives that would allow the Father to be able to love us in that way. And it is only through the work of Christ that that is possible And it is this perfect love. And here's the thing about perfect love. It casts out fear. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, for perfect love casts out fear. And so then when we move to this idea of abiding, producing, or rather increasing obedience, we see that it is motivated and, and comes about because of this result of love. He says, Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So why do we keep His commandments? We do so because we abide in His love. Love is the motivator for us increasing in our obedience, not guilt. And so many times, I think we think that it's guilt, or maybe you've come with this preconception that you do the things God's called you to do because of guilt, well, guilt is a lousy motivator for obedience. I mean, just yesterday or uh, Friday, we were with our family and we came up a day early uh, to be here uh, in Rochester. And We knew we were going to be here and it was my, my, daughter's, my oldest daughter's birthday yesterday. And so uh, we came up a day early to spend the entire day at Mall of America. And um, you guys were super generous, i don 't know if you knew you were generous, but um, you gave us some uh, passes for unlimited rides and so we left, we hit the road like six a m um, from Madison, and we drove up to the mall of america and it was this was my daughter 's sort of birthday party because I knew we were going to be traveling, and i didn 't want it to be lame, and so that 's what we did. We came up a day early so we could get there and let me tell you we wore that place out. I mean, we rode all the rides, and, and we were just going for it, and we got our value out of those, um, just trying to be good stewards, right? And so we got our value out of those things. I mean, we almost shut the place down. And so my daughter, we're going through these rides, and, and let me tell you, I wasn't riding some of those rides because I felt guilty as a dad. Like, I wasn't like, oh man, like, I don't want to be a lame dad, so I got to be, I got I to go on this ride with her. I mean, when she asked me, hey dad, will you ride this spongebob again it's like yes i will ride spongebob again because i love you and i know that that's what you want to do and i kind of like the spongebob one too but i love you and i'm doing it because i love you now more, the circle ones, that's where the love really came in. I can't handle those anymore. Those ones that go around and around, those are no bueno anymore. That's like, that's not, that doesn't sit well. There was one I did have to put, just full confession, had to put my foot down on the, the, the brain one that goes around and spins you upside. There's too many things going on with that thing. I said, sweetie, I love you, but not that much. <laughs> but here's the thing, is that, had I felt guilty or had I been doing it because I felt like I had to or, oh man, I don't want, you know, that would have been a horrible motivator for the day. But rather, we did that. We went through that. We got up early. We made it a special day because I love her and I wanted her to know that I love her. If I was to show up on, on Valentine's Day and I, I walk in with flowers and give them to my wife and I'm like, yeah, I suppose I supposed to, you know, it's Valentine's Day and I didn't want to feel bad. I mean, I might as well have left those. That's not going to do anything to move the ball down the field. Here's the thing, is that when he says, Abide in my love, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Love is the motivator for our obedience. It's a desire in this relationship with Jesus Christ. See, we love because he first loved us. We obey because he loved us. And it is harder to obey than easier when you're not abiding. That's when it becomes work. Let me tell you this this morning, church. If it's difficult for you to obey in your life right now, if there are some areas that you're having a really hard time obeying the things you know God's called you to do, I would submit that it's because you're not in a fully abiding relationship with Jesus, that you need to rest and remain in Him because that obedience comes as a result of abiding. I would go as far as to say that it's impossible to be truly obedient without an abiding relationship with Christ. That's what he's saying here. He's like, if you've kept my father's commands and abide in his love, just as I have done, a proper understanding of the character and person of God will lead to an increased desire to be obedient to what he has said. Let me say it a different way. If you know who God is, then you're gonna wanna do the things that he's told you to do. See, when we understand this great love that he's had for us, when we understand the sacrifice that he's given on our behalf, when we understand the obedience that he's called us to, that's when the W's, worship, walk, work, become easy. They flow out of us. We want to worship. We want to walk with others in community. We want to work and use the things because we love him and he loves us. And that's what flows from that. See, abiding increases our obedience to him. And here's where it ends. I love verse 11. Look at verse 11. It says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus said these for the joy of the hearer. He desires your joy here today. He wants you to know the joy that is found in him. And this is the climax and the ultimate goal of this passage is that you would know the joy of Christ and that his joy would be in you. And I love it, that your joy would be in you and that your joy would be full, or that his joy would be in you, his joy would be full. What Christ wants to do is he wants to make a major deposit in the account, your bank account of joy. He's tired of seeing you just live paycheck to paycheck and sort of coasting by on this sort of half-hearted joy that you're trying to pass off as the joy of Christ. Rather, he desires to deposit this in such a way that you would have this abundance, this overflowing joy that would be visible to others around you, that it would be infectious, the kind of joy when you have plenty to go around and can share it freely with others. See, our idea of joy in a human fallen world is so much more shallow than what Jesus is talking about here. He says that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. When you abide in Christ, you understand and recognize and have this joy that can't be found anywhere else. There is nothing else you could turn to to find the type of joy that he's offering here. He's calling us into this abiding relationship. You know, I would say when we first began to feel the tug of church planning, it was the winter of 2015. So we're coming up on almost two years that we've been sort of on this adventure and in this journey. And let me tell you, it's not easy. It's not easy selling your home and moving across the country and then not really knowing where you're going to end up. We actually thought we were maybe heading back to North Carolina. We liked it down there. But God made it so clear that he was calling us to Madison, Wisconsin. And let me tell you, I'm so glad that we followed his call. Because he has gone before us every step of the way. And we are now there, we're living there, and we um, are seeing God's hand move in just incredible ways. He has opened door after door. He has brought people, he has been moving in such a way. And I think the thing that he's showing me time and time again through this process is my need to abide in him. Every time it's difficult, every time it becomes tricky, it's a reminder that I need to lean harder into that relationship, that I need to go back to the source of life, that I need to look to the vine, abide in that vine, that I would be able to produce the fruit that he's seeking to see done. See, once you understand the being part of that abiding, that's what gives way to the thinking and the doing. But it has to start from the being See, we need to think about the loving hands of our father as he prunes, but it comes from knowing that father and being in relationship with him. We need to think about the glory that Christ is due through your fruit. When we be in relationship, when we are in relationship with him, it will cause us to think about the way that Christ has loved us and so moved us to obey. And when you're in this being relationship with Jesus, you'll think about the abundant joy that is found in Christ. And then being in this relationship, you'll then begin to do those things that he's called you to do. You will be patient through the pruning. You'll be productive bearing much fruit. You'll be obedient to the commands that he's given you. And you'll be joyful because you know your Savior. Church, all of this doing, all of this thinking, all the things that we're seeking to see done in our life happens through being in an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for the great love that you have demonstrated to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And God, that is the motivation that we bring and that we uh, respond out of. God, your great sacrifice. God, your great love for us. And so, Lord, this morning we just pray that you would help us to remember that. God, that we wouldn't be so quick to, to try and put it into our own box, but God, we would seek to see this relationship grow in the way that you've called us to. God, I pray that we would never stray far from you, that we would remain close. Help us to do that. Lord, I pray as a church that harvest Rochester, God, that harvest Madison as we get started, God, that we would see that the life of the church comes from being connected to you, the vine. Jesus, we thank you for the joy that you offer. You are such a good God. And it is for that reason that we praise you, that we worship you here today. It's in the strong name of your son, Jesus Christ, that we pray, amen.